There we go. Good evening, everybody. All right, well, we're going to continue in Exodus chapter 28. There it kicks in. Maybe turn it down just a little bit. Um, Exodus chapter 28, the priest's garments. We saw last time we talked about how God made the garments for beauty and for holiness, and we, how Aaron was to be dressed for holy, for beauty, and for glory, asking ourselves, how are we dressed? Are we dressed in holiness, for beauty, and for glory for the Lord? And we'll finish it out today. Did I leave my Hold on, I've got to get my glasses. And we'll finish looking at the priest's garments tonight. So I'd ask you to stand with me as we would pray and that we would read from God's word and see what he says to us tonight. Father God, we thank you that you will always rescue us. You have rescued us. Your word tells us that you have rescued us, whoa, once and for all. You made a sacrifice and you sat down at the right hand of the Father. There is nothing left to do, nothing required. The debt has been paid in full. Holiness has been fully satisfied in Christ Jesus. And thank you that always for your children, that is the state in which we will be in. We thank you, Lord God, that you have made provision through a great priesthood, through a great high priest. Be with us as we study the priesthood and how we're called to be priests. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is what God says. Then bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests. Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. You shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with my spirit of skill that they make that they may that they make. Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. These are the garments that they shall make, a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a coat of checker work, a turban, and a sash. They shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother and for his sons to serve me as priests. They shall receive gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen. And they shall make the ephod of gold, of blue, purple, and scarlet yarns, and a fine twined linen, skillfully worked. It shall have two shoulder pieces attached to its two edges so that it may be joined together. And, it, and the skillfully woven band on it shall be made like it. And it shall be of one piece of it with, it shall be one piece with it of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet yarns and fine twine line. And you shall take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel. Six are the names on the one stone and the names of the other remaining six on the other stone in order of their birth. As a jeweler engraves signets, so shall you engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel. You shall enclose them in settings of gold filigree, and you shall set the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders for remembrance. And you shall, take, you shall make settings of gold filigree and two, two chains of pure gold twisted like cords, and you shall attach the corded chains to the settings, <clears throat> and you shall make the breast piece of judgment in skilled work in the style of the ephod. You shall make it of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twin and linen, linen you shall make it. It shall be square and doubled, and square and doubled, a span its length and a span its breadth. You shall set it, you shall set in it four rows of stones, a row of sardis, topaz, carbuncle, 
shall be in the first row, and the second row, an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. In the third row, Jacob, an agath, and amethyst. In the fourth row, beryl, onyx, and jasper. And they shall be set in gold figurine. They shall be twelve stones with the names according to the names of the sons of Israel. They shall be like, signet, like signets, each engraved with the name of, for the twelve tribes. You shall make for the breastplate breastpiece twisted chains like cords of pure gold, and you shall make for the breastpiece two rings of gold, and you shall put the two rings on the edges of the breastpiece, and you shall put the two cords of gold in the two rings at the edges of the breastpiece. The two, two ends <coughs> of the two cords you shall attach to the two settings of filigree, and so attach it to the front of the shoulder pieces of the ephod. You shall make two rings of gold and put them at the ends of the breastpiece on it inside the edge next to the ephod. And you shall make two rings of gold and attach, <coughs> and attach them to the front of the lower part of the two shoulder pieces of the ephod at its seam above the skillfully woven band of the ephod. And they shall bind the breastpiece by its rings to the rings of the ephod with a lace of blue so that it may lie on the skillfully woven band of the ephod so that the breastpiece shall not come loose from the ephod. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel and the breastpiece of judgment on his heart when he goes into the holy place to bring them regular remembrance before the Lord. And then the breastpiece of judgment, you shall put the Urim and the Thunim, and they shall be on Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. Thus Aaron shall bear the judgment of the people of Israel on his heart before the Lord regularly. You shall make the robe of the ephod all of blue. It shall have an opening of for the head in the middle of it with a woven binding around the opening like an opening in a garment so that it may not tear. On its hem you shall make pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and around its hem with bells of gold between them. A golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate around the hem of the robe. And it shall be on Aaron when he ministers, and its sound shall be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord, and when he comes out so that he does not die. You shall make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it like the engraving of a signet, holy to the Lord. And you shall fasten it on a turban by a cord of blue. It shall be on the front of the turban. It shall be on Aaron's forehead. And Aaron shall bear any guilt from the holy things that the people of Israel consecrate as their holy gifts. It shall regularly be on his forehead that, they, that he may be accepted before the Lord. You shall weave the coat in checker work of fine linen, and you shall make a turban of fine linen, and shall make a sash embroidered with needlework. For Aaron's son, you shall make coats and sashes and caps, and you shall make them for glory and beauty. And you shall put them on Aaron your brother and on his sons with him, and shall anoint him and ordain them and consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests. You shall make for them, fine, you shall make for them linen undergarments to cover their naked flesh. They shall reach from hip to the thighs, and they shall be on Aaron and his sons when they go into the tent of meeting, or when they come near to the altar to minister the holy place, the holy place, lest they bear guilt and die. This shall be a statute forever for him and for his offspring after him. Whew. You may be seated. A lot of information in there, a lot of things, but it's not without a purpose. God said, you shall bring near to you Aaron and your brother and his sons with him. From among the people of Israel to serve me as priests, Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar, and you shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother for glory and for beauty. So we see right off the bat, God has chosen out of the nation of Israel, he's chosen a particular people, the Levites, to be his ministers. Out of those, he's chosen particularly Aaron and his sons, who become the Levites, actually, uh, to be his witnesses in 
the tabernacle. We have to get the scenes, the sense here. So God has called children of Israel out of Egypt by a mighty hand. He's delivered them. They're now in the desert. They're in what is called, we call Sinai. And they're now, God has given instructions for the tabernacle. It is to be set up in the center of the people. And there are to be three tribes on each side of the tabernacle, north and south, east and west. And at the heart of the children of Israel is God himself, is the tabernacle, the meeting place of God. And Aaron and his sons, their tribe is chosen to be the ministers, the representatives for the entire nation of Israel. They are the representatives before them and God. And a task that is, that is uh, probably overbearing because they've seen the presence of God in ways that we have not seen. They've seen God come in fire and in a cloud. They've seen God part a Red Sea and cause the water to come over. They've seen God make water that was bad, make it good. They've seen God kill people for being unholy, for treating God in a way. They've seen things that we haven't seen. So imagine being tasked with the responsibility of going in and speaking to God on behalf of almost a million people. I could not imagine that. It's hard enough doing it for Bible Baptist Church, let alone that many people. And I don't mean that like it's, oh, but the Bible says it's a position of which there's great judgment is attached to it. It says you're going to make these garments. How are they going to make these garments? He says you shall speak to all the skillful. I think this is so important. You, Moses, shall speak to all the skillful. He doesn't give any names. He says, you're going to speak to the skillful. Whom I have filled with a spirit of skill, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. We need to understand. You shall speak to all the skilled, whom I, God says, I have made skilled for my priesthood. These weren't to be just, uh, you know, run to any shop you want to, like we would, say, you know, I, I, if I need to get something tailored, if people actually still get stuff tailored nowadays, um, I, there, there is a plethora of shops, right, to choose from. It wasn't so here. You're to go to these people whom I have filled with the spirit of skill. We'll see later on in talking about building in Leviticus, when he's talking about building these, these uh, articles for the temple, the, 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 the curtains, the, the, the table, the utensils, and all that, he says that I have filled two guys, Aholiab and Beziel, with the spirit of craftsmanship. God is making what? God is empowering people to make things just as I've instructed you on the mountain. Remember, that's what God says. Be careful to do it as I've instructed you. R. Kent Hughes says about these garments, says the holiness, glory, and beauty of his apparel associated him with God's sacred space. What are the garments of which he was to wear? These are the garments, verse 4, that you shall make. A breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a coat of checker work, a turban, and a sash. They shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother and for his sons to serve me as priests. They shall receive gold, blue, 
purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. We should stop there for a second and think about that. They shall receive, in other words, from the congregation of people, from the nation of Israel, they're to give gold, blue and purple and scarlet yarn, and fine twine linen. Now, the question we would ask is, where are they going to get it? They're in the desert. You know, we often overlook a very important detail about the exodus from Egypt. Remember what God said to Moses. That when you leave the nation of Egypt, you're going to plunder it. It says here in Exodus chapter 12, verses 35 to 36. This is uh, the, the final plague has come. It says, The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them. For they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold and jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so, that they, so they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. So in the middle of the desert, you need gold, blue, blue, purple, scarlet yarn. You need fine twine linen. Where are you going to get it? Well, God has already provided it. The lesson here is God provides all that is necessary to worship him. God provides all that is necessary to worship him. That's why we don't add to the worship of God. We don't add to the word of God. You'll see later on that Nadab and Abihu added to the worship of God and it cost them their lives. God provides all that is needed to worship him. So let's look at these pieces. He begins with the ephod. And they shall make the ephod of gold, of blue, and purple, and scarlet yarn, and a fine twin line and skill, fine twined linen skillfully worked. It shall have two shoulder pieces attached to its edges that it may be joined together. And the skillfully woven band on it shall be made like it of one piece with it of blue, purple, scar- and scarlet yarn and fine twined linen. Now, what's it made out of? Of gold, blue, purple, scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. You're going to see that phrase over and over and over again. So you're to make two shoulder pieces, he says, and a band that, that goes around the waist. Um, and it's to be made this way. And on these two onyx stones, onyx, if I remember correctly, is a black stone. And there would be one on show, one on left, and one on the right shoulder. And on it were named the children of Israel. This is what he says. Six of the names on one stone and the, six, and the name of the remaining six on the other stone in order of their birth. As a jeweler engraves signets, so you shall engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel. You shall enclose them in settings of gold filigree, and you shall set the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as stones of remembrance for the sons of Aaron. And Aaron shall bear, this is a phrase to keep in mind, and Aaron shall bear the name, their names before the Lord on his two shoulders for remembrance. You shall make settings of gold filigree into two chains of pure gold, twisted like cords, and you shall attach the cords to the chains to the settings. So we'll see how the picture's going to come up. Hopefully you can see it. Um, probably can't because I don't know why Proclaim does that. But that little purple, bluish-looking sash thing that he's wearing right here, I'm out of camera range, but that thing right there with the shoulder pieces, that's maybe what the ephod looks like. We really don't know. We didn't, we don't. We can only go by what it says here in Scripture. We're not exactly sure. But that's approximately what it would look like. God says, attached to that, 
is called the breastplate of judgment. That's fascinating that it's the breastplate of judgment. It says, you shall make a breastplate, breastpiece of judgment in skilled work. Notice what's being said over and over again in skilled work, in skilled work, in fine twine linen, in blue and purple and scarlet and gold and fine twined linen. Over and over and over, God is expecting the absolute best. In the style of the ephod, you shall make it of gold, blue, purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. You shall make it. It shall be square and double, a span its length and a span its breadth. And you shall set in it four rows of stones, a row of sardis, topaz, carbuncle, and shall be the first row, and the second row an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond, and the third row a jacinth, an agate, and an amethyst, and the fourth row a beryl, an onyx, and a jasper. And they shall be set in gold filigree. There shall be twelve stones with their names according to the names of the sons of Israel. They shall be like signets, each engraved with its name for the twelve tribes. So you have this now ephod, and now you have this breast piece of judgment. And there's four rows and all the different stones. And who, you know, how do we know that Jasper makes it into Scripture? He's one of Jasper. You made it into the book, man. Yeah, he's like, of course. Why would I not be? <laughs> But all these different precious stones, all with the name of the children of Israel. You know, Reuben and on, uh, uh, Jacob, you know, all of them. The whole, all of them are there within this ephod, written on these stones to bear over the heart of Aaron, the breast piece of judgment. We will see these stones. We don't know what the ephod looked like. Some of these stones, maybe you never heard of. I don't know what a, 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 an Agak is, and I don't know what a Jacob is. Um, but we're going to see them in heaven. So the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 19 to 20, the foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, and the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, which is one of the, another name for one of these, and the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth uh, chrysospace, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. Those are the, the stones of the walls of the new Jerusalem. He says, on this breastpiece, you shall make, verse 22 to 30. I know there's a lot of information here, but trust me, we're going to tie it all together. You shall make for the breastpiece twisted chains like cords of pure gold. So now you have this breastpiece, and it's going to be attached with cords of pure gold. And put the two rings on the edges of the breastpiece. So now you have this giant square, and you have rings on it on the edges of the breastpiece. And you have about two cords of gold in the two rings at the edges of the breastpiece. The two edges of the two cords you shall attach to the two settings of filigree, and so attach it to the shoulder pieces of the ephod. So now it's hanging. It goes from the shoulder pieces down to the breastpiece. You know, we, we see people wearing big gold chains today. Um, this is far better than any of that. The two ends of the cord just add to the settings of filigree and so attach it in the front of the soldier, so, shoulder pieces of the ephod. You shall make two rings of gold and put them at the two ends of the breastpiece on the inside edge next to the ephod. And you shall make two rings of gold and attach them to the front of the lower part of the two shoulder pieces of the ephod at its seam above the skillfully woven band of the ephod. 
And they shall bind the breastpiece by its rings to the rings of the ephod with a lace of blue, so that it may lie on the skillfully woven band of the ephod, so that the breastpiece shall not come loose from the ephod. So now you have just these gold rings, these gold chains coming from the shoulder pieces down to the ephod, and now it's attached with a blue um, <clears throat> sash, if you would, to attach it around Aaron. And they shall bind the uh, <clears throat> of lace so that it may lie, skill, lie on the skillfully woven band of the ephod, so that the breastpiece shall not come loose from the ephod. So Aaron... Very important. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece of judgment on his heart when he goes into the holy place to bring them to regular remembrance before the Lord. And in the breastpiece of judgment you shall put the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be on Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. Thus Aaron shall bear the judgment of the people of Israel on his heart before the Lord regularly. Well, we're not going to get into the Urim and Thummim tonight. That will come later. But those, in, in this, this, this breast piece was a little pocket, which there were two stones, the Urim and the Thummim. And we see them later in Scripture. They were using for the judgment of God. They would cast the Urim and the Thummim, and they would find out God's judgment on a particular issue. That's why it's called the breast piece of judgment. And so what's it look like? Again, we'll go to our picture, which should come up in the notes if you download them. Um, that little square thing with all the different uh, uh, stones on it with the names of the children of over the heart of Aaron, and he shall bear the judgment of the people of Israel on his heart before the Lord regularly. And then he goes on to list the robe. Notice how specific God is again. You shall make the robe of ephod all of blue. Whoa, what happened? Everything was gold, uh, purple, scarlet, and fine twine linen. Now we go straight to blue. It shall have an opening for the head in the middle of it with a woven binding around the opening like the opening of a garment. So in other words, a hole in the head pulled over and it was... uh, um, it was like a seam around it so that it would not come loose, so that it may not tear. On its hem, you shall make pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet yarns around its hem with bells of gold between them, a golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate around the hem of the robe. And it shall be on Aaron when he ministers, and it shall be heard when he goes in the holy place before the Lord and when he comes out so that he does not die. How many of you have heard that he wore these bells so that when he went in before the Ark of the Covenant, it would be heard so that when they didn't hear the bells, they knew he'd die and they would drag him out, right? How many of you believe that to be true? I used to. It's not true. It's one of those things that we grew up in Sunday school that sounds nice, but is actually not true. The Bible tells us that when Aaron went into the most holy place, or, or also called the holy place, um, the inter- interchanges those tombs, that he did not go in with this ephod on. He did not go in with the blue. In Leviticus chapter 16, verse 4, it says this, He shall put on the holy linen coat, and he shall have the linen undergarment on his body, and he shall tie the linen shafts sash around his waist, and wear the linen turban. These are the holy garments. He shall bathe his body in water and then put them on. 
That was when he would go in to the Holy of Holies before God. He went in pure white before God. So what does the robe look like? Again, let's go to our picture. The big blue thing he's wearing, and there's the golden bells and a pomegranate. Why a pomegranate? We don't know. That must have been abundant. It probably could spoke of, uh, of fertility of the seeds. Uh, we don't know. Um, I'm not a pomegranate fan. Uh, maybe you are. He's got the robe, and then he says the gold plate. The golden plate. He says, you shall make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it like the engraving of a signet, holy to the Lord. Again, important. Aaron was holy to the Lord. And you shall fasten it on the turban by a cord of blue. It shall be on the front of the turban. It shall be on Aaron's forehead. And Aaron shall bear any guilt from the holy things that the people of Israel consecrate as their holy gifts. It shall regularly be on his forehead that he may be accepted before the Lord. So he has his turban on, this white turban. And on it is this little plate or a medallion with a blue cord that says, Holy to the Lord. And it's on his forehead. What's that tell us? How he thinks about God matters. What we think matters. He is holy to the Lord. That's the dress of which Aaron should wear. We'll see the picture again. We'll see the little plate of gold on the top of his head. Holy to the Lord. What does all this mean? Why is God so specific? Why does God care? Can Aaron just come any other way he wants? And by the way, let's be clear. When he talks about Aaron's garments, this is the high priest's garments. This is one everybody wore. Aaron's sons wore something very different. God says this. Aaron shall bear them on his shoulders and his heart. Verse 12, verse 30, and verse 38. Now, I'm not going to go into Aaron's son's garments because they're, they're just plain. You can read it for yourself in verses, um, verses uh, 39 and down. But it says, Aaron shall bear them on his shoulders and heart. Three times God says, they shall, Aaron, Aaron shall bear. You have a group of people to represent an entire nation before God. Out of that group of people, you have one man, one man to represent everybody. And as he represents, he is going to bear on his shoulders. He has the names of the children of Israel and on his heart. He'll bear the children of Israel before God. So when he goes in before God, his primary concern is to make atonement for the nation of Israel. He, as the high priest, was representative of a nation, actually of priests. God says in Exodus chapter 19, Now therefore, if you will indeed Obey my voice and keep my covenant. You shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you shall speak to the people of Israel. 
So the entire nation was to be a kingdom of priests, to be ones who represent God to the entire world. It is that way for us. We are to be a kingdom of priests. We no longer have a high priest because we have a great high priest, Jesus. There's no longer a need for the office of high priest. But we are God's representatives here on earth. We, as a church, should bear one another before the Lord. We come into the Lord. That's why we pray for one another. We encourage one another. Again, Peter tells us this, but you are a chosen race. Children of Israel are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You shall be for me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. God said to the children of Israel, and of all the nations of the world, I chose you, not because you're so great, just because I chose you. You're actually the least of all the tribes of the, uh, of the people of the earth, but I chose you. Why did God choose the children of Israel? That they would be a kingdom of priests to the rest of the world. That they would be a light unto the Gentiles, Isaiah would tell us. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of God's own possession, so that we too may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous lights. Because once you were not a people, the children of Israel were not a people. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. He says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of your flesh, which wage war against your soul. Conduct your, make, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that then when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. The same command for the children of Israel. The same command for Aaron is the same for us today. We are God's ambassadors. I think in, in the days in which we're living, we need to put this in our mind more and more, that we are God's ambassadors, God's representatives here on earth. And are we dressed with holiness and for beauty and for glory? Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors. Representatives of God here on earth. There is a building in New York City, United Nations, that is full of ambassadors, people who represent their nations. We have an ambassador of the United Nations represents the United States of America. We are to represent the Lord Jesus Christ, for we are ambassadors for Christ. And what are we to do? God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And that's what Aaron would do. He would make reconciliation between the people and God. That was his job. Verse 43 of chapter 28 says this, This shall be a statute forever. A statute forever. How is the priesthood of Aaron a statute forever? Aaron's dead. The priesthood is gone. The temple's gone. The tabernacle's gone. There's no Ark of the Covenant. There's no table of show. None of this stuff exists anymore. How is it a statue forever? 
Because Aaron not only points to us as being a representatives of priests like the nation of Israel was, but he also points to the great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as Aaron went in and bore the judgment, bore the sins of the nation of Israel before God, so Jesus bore our sins. 1 Peter 2, 24, He Himself, that is Jesus, bore our sins in His body on a tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. Aaron went in once a year. Aaron offered sacrifices daily, uh, but Jesus did it once, and it's now a statute forever. For there is one way to God, and it's through Jesus Christ. No man comes unto the Father unless he comes through me. Unless the Father draws him, no one comes to me. There is one name given amongst men by which you may be saved, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the book of Hebrews tells us this, and we'll finish with this. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, they would have not ceased to be offered, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired or taken pleasure in sacrifices and the burnt offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And, that, and by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering is perfected those for all times who are being sanctified. It's a statue forever because of the fulfillment of Jesus Christ. In the, in the tabernacle, the only furniture is a table and a place of incense and a lampstand. No chairs. But in the true heaven, there's a throne. And Jesus is sitting on it once for all. Jesus, our great high priest representative, we also are called to be priests. May we live according to what God has called us to. Father, thank you that you have made a priesthood. Thank you that you have made a way for man to be reconciled to God. And thank you that you have made it forever through Jesus Christ, a statute forever, a statute that cannot be broken, the new covenant of your blood. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's close in a song. Because he lives, 358, we have a, high, a great high priest and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we will sing.
all three verses. I almost feel like this is the Matrix up here. All right. 358, because he lives, God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth a living just because he lives. How sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives but greater still the calm assurance this child can face in certain days because he lives because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth a living just because he lives. And then one day I'll cross the river. I'll fight life's final war with pain. And then as death gives way to victory, I'll see the lights of glory and I'll know he reigns. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Be because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Amen. God bless you.